Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Tofu Eaters Anonymous. You join us on this very woke Monday where we're going to talk about woke football and... Nah, I'm joking, of course. Hello and welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. We come to you on the back of a... Well, what I believe is a somewhat disappointing two-all draw, but the lads might disagree with me tonight. Um, But before we get into the performance against the Leeds United... Let's see who we've got on the show. We welcome Toby. Toby, my friends, how are you keeping? Yeah, doing fantastically, thank you. Um, just been hitting the gyms, you know, getting my daily stuff out of the way and caring about football. Hitting the gym, good skills, Toby. You're absolutely smashing at the moment. Keep that going. Uh, we also welcome back Curtis Friend. Curtis, my friend, how are you doing? Yeah, doing pretty good. Um, just like Toby, uh, I've been uh, walking past the gym though uh to get to the local subway so that's been yeah that's far more my speed that and uh chasing around a toddler but we move we move um i had snow over the weekend did you guys have snow yeah we not for me spattering of snow oh we had loads of snow in the midlands i was a bit worried that the game at the weekend might be called off um but anyway Less about the weather and more about the brand new spanking news, guys, that Adam Lalana has signed a contract extension until 2024. This news has been has came out this evening or Monday evening. Um, Toby, well, let's be honest. Adam Lalana is a classy guy. Classy, classy, classy. He oozes, uh, you know, professionalism. Um, how amazing is this news that Adam Lalana has agreed to spend a little bit more time at Brighton and Hove Albion? Absolutely tip top of my priority list if you had uh if you'd asked me yesterday what should we do who should we get signed up um the guy is a class act comes through in every interview watched his interview after signing the contract and again you know bigging up how how good our club is how well it's run how he's happy to be a part of it um i think you know he gets a lot of criticism from people online i can't understand it and and you know without trying to throw shade or start arguments i feel like it can show your mental age if you're not able to respect at least what an older player can do for your club regardless of if they're playing or not um but yeah even on the pitch you can do the business so yeah really happy with that most definitely i'd like to echo a lot of what you said there toby he's a fantastic fantastic professional fantastic to have around the club and curtis i mean considering his injury problems um that he's had throughout the latter stage of his career and whilst he's been with us um does this contract extension just show how important he is to roberto de Zerbi and to brighton uh yeah essentially um i sort of feel like he is sort of a de facto uh coach back there anyway he's uh one of those guys i can imagine being the loudest voices on game days so i think it makes sense that he you know whilst he's recovering he'll be helping out deserby with match days and coaching stuff and uh ultimately i feel like you know this might end up being his last professional contract you know and he might end up going into coaching from here so we'll have to see um see what happens with him but either way let's hope he stays with the club that'd be pretty cool yeah, I mean, we've spoken about it on the podcast before, um, just how much he has, he offers, he brings to the team behind the scenes that we don't always see. Um, and it's clear to see on match days, regardless of whether he's on the pitch or not, just how vocal he is and how much he's geeing up the players, telling them where to be, where to go. And, you know, you mentioned there, Curtis, about hoping he stays on a, in a coaching capacity because this, in all likelihood, is probably going to be his last professional contract as a player. 
I really, really, really hope that he stays on as a coach and he works within Roberto De Zerbi's coaching setup because I, I, I love the way he talks. Sorry, I'll just interrupt. I love the way he talks. It, it reminds me of Liam Rosinha, and I think he both of these two are the classiest of people and wouldn't surprise me at all if they go on to both be top, top managers in their, in their day. And it, it, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't already, it's well worth watching the interview that the club have posted on their YouTube channel this evening, um, video interview with Adam Lallana. He just speaks so highly of the club and of Roberto De Zerbi. And I think when you have professionals like Adam Lallana, who is, has won so much Premier League, Champions League, England player of the year, um, four or five years ago, you know, when he speaks the way he does about Roberto De Zerbi, it really sort of impresses upon you just how special Roberto De Zerbi is, the way he views football, the way he sees the game. Um, and I'm going to highlight some more things about what I think about make Roberto De Zerbi special a bit later when we talk about the game. Um, but no, I think it's uh, it bodes really well um, that Lalana has um, committed his immediate future to the club for a little bit longer and let's really hope that he can stay behind in a coaching capacity when he eventually does decide uh, to hang the boots up and his high praise of the club as well in that same interview he was saying you know this is probably one of the most well-run clubs I've ever been at and I've been at you know Liverpool and Southampton and things like that and they're excellent clubs but you know just such uh, high praise from such an amazing player and amazing man so yeah and it's also worth remembering um, that Lalana played under Klopp. He's played under Pochettino at Southampton, I believe, as well. So, you know, two managers there that many consider to be some of the best in the world. I mean, every time there's a managerial vacancy, everyone's going, off, going oh, we want Pochettino, we want Pochettino. And the fact that he views the Zerbi in the same sort of bracket, if not a little bit elevated above those two, considering all they've those two have done, especially Klopp, um, is really quite astounding. Um, and as I say, it should really hit home um, just how good Roberto De Zerbi is. So some really fantastic news that's come out this evening, um, which leads us on to some slightly sadder news. And I think I wanted to get this um, on the pod as quickly as we could tonight, because one of the biggest disappointments of the weekend for me, apart from the result, um, and when I say disappointments, I mean rage-inducing utter nonsense is the homophobia that was seen over the weekend, not only by Leeds fans um, at Ellen Road, um, but also the casual homophobia that we saw on GB News um, when they said that Brighton was filled with woke people and rainbow flags. And that means that our Gary um, would have liked it here. Um, and that's why I made that hilarious joke about eating tofu at the uh, at the start of the show, although I'm more of a tempeh man myself. Um, you know, that's just me, though. Um, but Toby, it's 2023 and we're still seeing overt homophobia at football games and casual homophobia on our television screens. I mean, you know, GB News is a right wing, you know, we you, you know what you're going to get with GB News. It's fundamentally the the British version of Fox News from America. You know what you're going to get, but that doesn't make it any more acceptable, does it? I, I mean, we've said how many times and and we'll continue to say until people learn. Um, we, we need to educate our children better. We need to educate our adults better. Um, I'm a firm believer that whatever your beliefs are, you can still be educated, admit you were wrong in the past. You know, it, there has been days and ages where this sort of thing was acceptable, but it's not anymore. And it, it it's about time that that education does come in. 
I don't think you should be allowed to use it as a crutch. Oh, it was it was fine in my day and age. I don't think that should be a thing anymore. That crutch needs to be abandoned ASAP. There needs to be more action taken. Um, and yeah, it's you know you say it's twenty twenty three. It's it's beyond me how this you know football. Every man, woman, child, every person on the planet deserves to enjoy what they enjoy. And football is one of those things that you can come together, regardless of race, background, gender, sexuality. None of that matters. None of that matters. All that matters is that you support your team and, and you know, you might hate your rival team, but that's all the only reason you hate them. Not for any other reason, just because they're your rival. No hatred belongs in football. I would, I would, I would sooner you know quit watching football than than allow this to continue. Do you know what I mean? If if I was if I was given the choice, I would quit watching football forever to educate everyone on the planet because it. it I know people that have been through these struggles. I know people that have had prejudice against them their whole life, have struggled mentally, and, and some haven't made it out the other end. I think it's a really poor waste of time, waste of it's just a waste of everything and it's it's so poor but i won't ramble on any longer but it's a really really important issue i really hope if you're listening i really hope you one agree with us and two if you don't i suggest that you educate yourself but i'm 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 betting that most of our listeners do agree with us you're much politer than me toby i was gonna say if you don't agree with us you can go away um (laughs) curtis you mentioned um our fair that um, was it Southampton put out a statement in regards to racism at football. How disappointing is it to see that Leeds haven't done the same in regards to homophobia? And also how disappointing it is to, to see that when you can clearly hear homophobic chanting coming through your radio or your, your stream, that stewards and police seem to be doing very little about it. It's, um, it's unsettling and quite disturbing as someone who's, in that community you know it took me it took me long enough to feel the courage to even accept who i was in the first place you know and um and so to hear this these things that are normalized by some at something that i love it is it's kind of painful at, at times you know i want to be able to go to a game win lose or draw and get some enjoyment out of it and i, I don't i don't want those sort of things to be shouted at me even if even if they're not directed at me they're directed at me you know what I mean um and it just it just hurts it just really really hurts but like just the football community need to do better you know you need to you know if you're at the ground you need to turn to your neighbor and call call them out on on that because it's it's part of your responsibility in in my opinion because if you your brother your sister your mother your father want to go there and enjoy this thing we have to we have to do this together this is not i I, i'm not going to make much of a difference but we can all we can all get together and make this change because as i say i want to go to match days and i want to enjoy it i don't want to be worried about what's going to be said to me you know i'm going to go to palace on wednesday and that's going to be incredibly hostile you know uh, and this recent lead stuff is maybe fairly concerned about what I might hear and what how it might make me feel and stuff. Um, but I know I'm going to be surrounded by a, you know a good bunch of people and you know, so yeah, we've just got to do what we can to just step 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 on this this hate and just do better. We do, and it's also the responsibility 
of national broadcasters, regard regardless of what where they fall on the political spectrum, to not normalise it. Um, that's absolutely disgusting, and I really, really hope that whoever's in charge of like the TV authority people, I really hope they take a really strong look at that because if you're going to kick up so much fuss about a particular um, sports presenter saying something and going on about how awful that is, then you've got to be consistent and do the same when it comes. But no, I mean, there's that great quote that all it takes for evil to triumph is when good people do nothing. So it is our responsibility to call it out. It's our responsibility to say that that's not okay. And it's our responsibility to say that love is love. And if you can't get with that, jump in the river. And what I don't understand also is, like, everybody's very, very quick to call out racism and say how obviously abhorrent and wrong that is, which it clearly is. But, you know, like, homophobia and stuff it's like it feels oh, like it's banter. lagging behind yeah it really banter. feels like it's lagging behind it, it's it's madness to me it's 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 absolute madness um yeah i agree with you toby definitely uh, and 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 uh, you know the, the thing this, this is the thing right and i obviously i can't speak for every occasion ever but um I, i've actually got to give credit to to palace they seem to do a pretty good job of it actually so i don't think you should be as anxious as, as you might be feeling uh, last time i was there i obviously i can't speak for every occasion ever um last time i was there i don't remember hearing anything too terrible um you might get the odd drunkard that just that will scream it and then you get a few murmurs of it and then it's like I, I like to think that they were embarrassed by that, and I like to. And I, I've seen a lot of Palace fans get kicked out by stewards after that sort of thing happening. Um, but credit to Palace, they generally call it out every time. You know, they bring a statement out every time they hear any of their fans even trying to go down that route. Do you know what I mean? If yeah, they even I mean, think it's, about it's, it, it's not. It's not so much that I'm anxious that Palace fans will do it, but I worry that, say, if clubs don't call it out, it will become the norm. That's 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 the thing I'm concerned about because if a Palace fan was to be like uh, you know oi, fat boy or whatever I can change that I can lose weight and I can you know but I I, I am part of of the LGBT you know, that community I'm part of that community and that will never change so that's yeah we need to just we need to address it when it's heard if they can drive monkey chants out of the stands they can drive homophobia out of the stands. They've gone about how football is for everyone. Now it's time to actually see that through. So FA, step up. Do oh, better. GB, Do GB better. News, by the way. Do One of them. Yeah, and GB News, swivel on it, you right-wing yeah. twats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I've just got no time for it. I, was, I used to be a nice, polite person, but I think the last 10 years have made me so bitter and I'm just so unaccepting of it now that I'm just going to, I say it how I see it. Um, I'm but woke you're, but you're and I'm proud. Own. And if you don't like the fact yeah. that I'm woke, I don't care. I but hate the fact that it even comes down to a political issue. It's yeah, not a political it's issue. It's, it's a human. It's a human. And if me being woke means I'm not hom- homophobic and racist and stuff, then... I'm, I'm woke, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I just, anyway, we're not going to, I mean, I don't want to, we, we all, we, we hey, need to say that. football, guys, let's just, just move on. Yeah, it's football, yeah. but it's, we want to talk about football is for everyone. Love is love. I've said it and I'll say it again because that is so, so important. Um, but let's talk about um, the game then. Let's talk about the, the starting 11. 
Uh, no changes in the starting, well, one change in the starting 11, which was uh, Joel Veltman coming in for Tarek Lamptey, which I suppose wasn't all that surprising considering Tarek hobbled off. Uh, but Jason Steele, Toby, uh, keeps the gloves uh, for the second game running. I mean, myself and Curtis, we've already spoken about Jason Steele, but I just want to get your thoughts uh, about Steely um, picking up the number one spot, it seems. Um, how do you, how confident do you feel whenever Jason Steele um, is in nets? I'm not sure if it's uh, 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 what I've grown up on, but I'm I'm never confident when any keeper is in net for Brighton. So I just prefer that they look like they're trying and that they want to be there. And at times it didn't feel like we got that from Matty Ryan, which made it hard for me to like him. Uh, and yet Sanchez and Steele both provide exactly that. Uh, in terms of actual ability, um it's tough to say if one's better than the other. I think we're just blessed with two really good goalkeepers. Um, still taking like a duck to water as if he's he's been playing Premier League for the whole of his career. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm really proud of him. I'm really happy that he's he's got the chance. Uh, long may the form continue. Uh, although I do think that it's unheard of, but I do think it would actually be nice to see goalkeeper rotation from time to time, keep them both on their toes, keep them both training hard. And it's it's unheard of in this league. You always have a number one and a number two, but what if you just share the role? Um, yeah, I don't know if that would work, but I, I rate them both so highly. And And to be honest... At this point, if I was Sanchez, I'd be looking at a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, Atletico Madrid sort of move because it, he, I think that's what he wants in his future and I think that's what he could get. Uh, and, and, and we'd be fine with that now, I think. Yeah, I think the only concern in regards to Sanchez dropping to the bench is, is he going to stick around for that? Probably not at his age. He wants to be playing at the top of the top level when he, you know, he's made it very clear if his ambitions to want to play for Spain and that's not going to happen if he's uh, on the bench for us. But as you say, Toby, hopefully it will increase competition. Um, you know, Roberto De Zerbi has said in his press conferences that he's got a really good relationship with Robert Sanchez. Um, so let's hope that the, the changing of keepers, as you say, based on form, keeps them both on their toes, keeps pushing each other keep they're pushing each other to get better because that's ultimately what we want because as we said in last week's episode you know if a winger's out of form they drop to the bench and then someone else comes in to take their place um talking of the bench curtis we saw the return of levi colwell to the bench after some time away with injury um which bodes quite well considering adam webster hobbled off injured again in yesterday's game but just really briefly curtis levi colwell good to see him back in the match day squad Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, really happy for him. Because I know he got to play an under-23s game, I think it was, the week before. Uh, and they won in that game. So I think that was necessary for him to get those those minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, hopefully, I, I'd like him to start the next game, if that was uh, a possibility. Uh, if, you know, Webster's not 100% fit or whatever the deal is there. Uh, but yeah, it's always good to have uh, other options on, on the bench. Yeah, it certainly did. And um um, Van Hecker came on um, in the latter stages uh, to replace Adam Webster, um, but more on that in a little while. So let's um, start then. I think, I mean, I, I said in the group chat that I needed you guys to keep me um, not being so negative because I came out of that game um, feeling almost like a loss. I felt so disheartened. And I've been really trying to sort of like, no, it's okay. A point on the road at Ellen Road is really good. Leaders are a really hostile place to go. 
but I've watched the replays again just before coming live on air, just to sort of like re my memory of the, the, some of the key events. And I just got so frustrated. Um, one of the things, Toby, that really frustrated me, especially in what well, in both halves really, was just the sloppiness of our play at times. Um, really sloppy in uh, the early stages, especially in possession. And Leeds seemed really fired up um, because of Bournemouth's win. They had dropped into the bottom three and they just seemed to want it a lot more than we did. What was your thoughts on those sort of those early exchanges? Well, I, the one thing I've noticed every every week that we've played at the moment, every time I'm watching, and we always do this, you know, between the two centre-backs to Caicedo pass. Caicedo normally gets fouled in the back, that sort of thing. Um this Leeds game was, was it wasn't different. We kept trying that, but they, I think Leeds have that extra, um, like that extra press, that extra want to press, and and it's always been a Leeds thing. It's it's always Leeds that do that, and I think, I think actually all credit to Leeds. I think they really came there with that game plan of countering what we want to do. It made a, it made it very difficult for us to do anything other than be sloppy. Um, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's a discredit to Brighton. I think it, it's credit to Leeds. I think they they really played well in terms of that um, that ability to stop us playing out from the back, and not many teams can do it. West Ham really struggled to to stop us doing that. Uh, Leeds players just suited that system, and and uh, you know I I can't be too disheartened because it, you know at least it exposes one of our weaknesses when players do have when teams do have players that can run at you like that. I'm sure Liverpool. Will be a will be a problem in the future for us because they've got a press like that. Do you know what I mean? Like teams that are iconic for that press, which I think Leeds are. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not too disheartened. I, th I think they played really well, Leeds, and and it might not have looked good, but it it did the job for them. Yeah, I think the only thing that I find somewhat concerning. Um, is that it's not an isolated incident, in my opinion, Curtis. I mean, I'm happy to have this discussion and I'm happy for people in the comments to also, you know, discuss this as well. Um, I think back to recent games, um, Crystal Palace, Fulham, and obviously Leeds really stood out for me, is that when we do eventually break the press uh, or we find those spaces, we almost feel a bit guilty of trying to walk it in. It almost seems like we're Arsenal from the early noughties. You know what I mean? It's like... The age-old thing, the problem about Brighton is we always try and walk it in. It's almost like this idea that we always want to score the perfect goal. I mean, I've written down some of the chances we had here. March, I thought March had a phenomenal game. Um, but again, it was that sort of like that final ball, that final decision-making. amount of times that Alexis McAllister seemed really reluctant to shoot. Um, so what do you think, Curtis? Do you think it's just a, a bit of a blip? Do you think I'm being too harsh? Um, what do you think's sort of going on? Because we are scoring lots of goals. Yes, yeah. At, at times, we just seem to be, as I say, guilty of trying to score the perfect goal. You know, I, I, I've always thought that when it comes to that final third, we think about it a bit too much. You know, um, I, I used to think that of Trossard when he was with us. I used to think just because you used to see him like weave around in the box a bit. I'm like, just take the shot, just take the shot. Um, and now he's gone. Um, well done to him. Three assists on the weekend. Very, very good for that man. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think we have a tendency to overthink just just taking the shot. Um, but I think Deserby being the, the coach that he is, he he will coach that out of them. I mean, I I think we've got we've got more than the the quality to take those chances. Um, but it's just about the way that they're taken. 
So um, just more confidence from the lads, really. Yeah, and I suppose that's one of those things where, as you say, it's the Deserby's job really to sort of to get them G'd up. Because I, I mean, I, I say it sounds mad that I'm being really critical of uh, trying to walk it in or score the perfect goal, um, and yet we're we're seemingly scoring hatfuls at the moment. I think we've you know we've scored more than any previous season in the Premier League, and here I am going, stop trying to walk it in. Um, I remember, like uh, in past seasons, we would like say I remember we would like go one or two down, and then you would just see the heads go down, and that would be the game. We would like lose two nil. But now, it, like, Deserby has always said, like, if you score two against us, we're going to score three against you or something like that. And I love that mentality because I, 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 the, the fight, you know, the, the fire, the hunger and all that is clearly there, um, which is really refreshing to hear. I trust the process. I, I'm going to say I trust the process. I don't think they should rush it. I think they should try and walk it in the net, per se. Um, uh if you think about football as like a probability game, increasing your probability with every pass of if that person shoots, they're going to score. I think um, there's also a high probability that players aren't going to be able to find the right pass when they are in those positions. But, you know, I think credit to players that are patient, composed, know the game plan. And I trust the process with Deserby in that because while it can be frustrating sometimes, you're like, oh, you smack that, that's a beautiful goal. And I'm, I'm all of a sudden I'm watching that on replay all night and, you know, I'm, I'm getting a bit excited to it, you know. But it's, it's um, for me, I just think you look at the Matoma's goal against West Ham, you look at the goal against Evan Ferguson in the cup against Stoke, all of these absolute beautiful pieces of play that just come from, the players trusting Deserby. And I can't remember if it was Potter that said, you know, my players are allowed to make mistakes because at the end of the day, you know, if the mistake keeps happening, it's my fault. But I've sent them out there with that system. I've told them to pass it short. If they, if the other team have pressed me so well that the pass short gets blocked or whatever, that's my fault, not the players. Um, so that's why I think the same mentality needs to be taken in attack. I'm sure Deserby's looking at that going, I haven't set them, I haven't set them out doing the right thing. That maybe they are doing one too many passes to what we planned, you know, and it's, I really trust the process. I really believe that this is the right way forward for us. This is the way. So says my picture that's just there. Um, but yeah, Toby, I don't want to, I don't want to give the impression that I don't trust the process because I'm really loving Deserby ball. Um, Tom it's wants just... Deserby out. <laughs> Deserby out. We're not scoring enough. Deserby um... to Burnley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, not with their transfer embargo. Um, let's talk about the goal then, because we did eventually score in the first half and it was a lovely goal. We talk about like, oh, they're guilty of trying to walk it in. It was a really nice goal. Uh, all starts off at the back with Adam Webster, who plays a really nice ball to Pascal Gross, who makes this beautiful run. The defender quite clearly hasn't done his homework because Gross souls him not one, but two Gross turns, um, puts it into the box and Mitoma leaps like a majestic salmon, heads it back across the goal to an unmarked Alexis McAllister, who heads in from close range. Curtis Butimus, was it not? Oh, yeah, again, it was just one of those things where you could see all the pieces as they happened, and it looked, oh, it was just, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Such a good uh, team goal. Um, and just a minute ago, we were talking about, you know, trusting Deserby to, to iron out these things. It's also, also about trusting your teammates and, you know, anticipating those passes and those sorts of things. And you can just, 
you could just see the the element of trust amongst that squad and um, how much they uh, all want to play for each other. And yeah, that was just a really good team goal, really, really solid. Happy for McAllister too, because I felt like he um, had been had been lacking, even though he had a, a quite a fair few chances, like in against Palace and Fulham. I think he had a couple, maybe. Uh, so yeah, he earned that. He had a lot against Leeds as well, if we're honest. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah he certainly did. I mean, scored there too, yeah. But one man we've also got to sort of commend for that role. Um, we've got to commend many of them, really. Adam Webster for the pass, which was absolutely sensational. The vision on that was fantastic. Gross for the run. Um, I thought Gross had a fantastic game yesterday. But Toby Matoma, for a guy that's quite, sh- well, he's not the tallest in the world, quite slight, he out jumps the Leeds defender. I mean, that's a hell of a spring on the lad, isn't it? He's Mitoma's a, a football genius. Um, it, it's like he just—I don't know—it's like he's got main main character arc or something here. Mitoma's just the one, isn't he? It seems like you, you every time you watch him play, it's like it's a video game, and he is the main character. And and you're you know you're watching it, you're, you're controlling Brighton, and all of a sudden you know Mitoma's the one that scored the winner, and it it feels like it's that every time. And every time he's on the ball, every time he's doing something, it's like he's gone through that scenario a hundred times in his head, and he's gone, "This is the correct time for me to jump." He's jumped. This is the correct time for me to meet meet the ball with my head. Gone across. My, I trust my teammate to score, as Curtis said, and they do. And it, it's just so good because that's a team of players that are like. Yeah, we want Europe. You know, they're actually saying it in interviews. That's our goal this season now, Europe. Whereas before, under Potter, under anyone, they'd say, oh, no, you know, avoid relegation first and then, you know, move on from there. No, no, we want want it. We want it. We're putting our, you know, our our reputation on the line and we're saying that's what we're going for because we might lose every game from the rest of the season and get embarrassed. But, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but... It, 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 I think it's just credit to these players that just all seem like they just they love each other. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's good to see, especially when it was torn apart a bit at the start of the season. Good to know a little a bit of a stat for you, Thomas, as our as our stat man. Uh, Karu Matoma is close to breaking the record for the most goals scored by a Japanese player in a single season. And the, the record before Shinji that is six. Okazaga, uh, Okazagi yeah, and, and uh, Kagawa. Uh, Shinji Kagawa. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I really hope he does it. He's been, and he's been such a breath of fresh air. I mean, if yeah. you think that he was barely getting minutes under Graham Potter at the start of the season, and now he's, a, as Deserby says, you can't sub him off because you just never know what he can create. And he created some more chances that we'll talk about in a little while. Um, one of the, I think, criticisms of the performance yesterday um, is letting the lead slip and to do that not once but twice. And that f- and it's, it's very disappointing that they both came from mistakes. Um, the first goal was a mistake from Joel Veltman. Um, I don't, I think he was trying to flick it from a pass, but it got intercepted by Harrison, I believe it, it was. He would just bomb down the wing, plays it onto Bamford, who shot deflects off of Adam Webster's foot, it hits the undersides of the crossbar and goes in. I mean, it's a gut punch, isn't it, Toby? It's a huge gut punch when Leeds had offered very little up until that point and for want of you know we talk about the sloppiness yes it was sloppy but Brighton were in control it's one of those goals isn't it it just it bounces off the foot it hits the crossbar goes in it's I the thing is 
despite the mistake, I just I don't want to read too much into it. I don't, I I really don't. I think it would be I think it would be a bit of a crime to overanalyze something like that um, for what it was, other than just a, a bit of a freak goal that's going to happen occasionally. And especially at Ellen Road, it's like they've got a magnet that just sucks the ball into the goal at times. And I I just I can't be too disappointed. I really can't. Um, I'm not allowing myself to be. I'm so optimistic that I'm just not allowing myself to get these negative thoughts. I want to go into every game thinking, yeah, we've got a chance here. Yeah, we've got a chance here. Yeah, we've got a chance here. And I don't even want it to be a chance. I'll say, yeah, we've got a good likelihood that we're going to go beat, beat Palace on Wednesday. You know, that's that's the mentality I want to go in with. And and I, I can't I can't overanalyze it, if I'm honest. I'll I'll do that bit then for you. Um, <laughs> we had to be quite uh, astute as well because not long after that, Ferguson was poor on his hold-up play. Um, Leeds almost took the lead, but Bam- Bamford hits the side netting. It became a very end-to-end game, didn't it, Curtis? And especially towards that first half, um, anyone uh, really could have taken the lead. And we had another brilliant opportunity. I think it was Purvis, put a lovely ball into the channel. Matoma ran onto it. Ali Mack inside the box misses the target from 10 yards. He'll be disappointed with that, won't he? I mean, absolutely. I think it's clear you can always see him cursing and, you know, doing all this and stuff. So obviously it's, it must be very uh, anger-inducing for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, whenever it comes to playing Leeds, it's always one that I'm a little concerned about. Not, not worried so much, but it's always one that's... It's always a cagey affair when we go to Leeds. Um I don't know if, what it is, if it's just like the atmosphere, because they're usually fairly loud and uh, and stuff like that. And I agree with what Toby said, that, that that goal being a bit of a ball magnet and stuff like that for them sometimes. And yeah, it was just a, it was just tough, you know, just a lot of things just weren't coming off for us. Some of our passing wasn't fantastic. Uh, just these players were always where they needed to be to intercept things. And it was just a frustrating affair, really. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, the second half didn't start much better. Um, there was, again, loose balls, loose in possession, and Leeds seemed to be very dangerous on the break. But there was something that was really nice um, that we want to talk about, and that was a, a really nice save from Jason Steele as he palmed behind Aronson's low shot. It was one of those that was had not much power on it, but you could just you could see it in another alternative reality, just trickle across the line. But still, Toby, on his feet, got across and palmed it behind. Really um, fantastic thing. Because let's be honest, still didn't really have all that much to do yesterday. So for him to make that save was would have been really important for his confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spoke about it. He, he's kicking on, isn't he? He's kicking on and he, he is proving why he deserves to be there. Absolutely. Um, just, just, just so buzzing. Just so buzzing for him. And just to have these two options at keepers that neither I'd be scared about. Um, such a nice feeling. And uh yeah, credit to him because that was a cracking save. Yeah, but it really was. An issue I have is immediately after, say, that first goal, I saw posts saying, oh, Sanchez would have saved that probably. Well, how's yeah, that, how, how, how that going to help well, anything? Because, like, yeah, he might have done, but we don't know. As Toby says, it was such a freak goal. It was, I, I, I'd like to think, and I know it's impossible because we will never know. I'd like to think if it hadn't taken that deflection off of Webster, Steely had a better chance to save it. But as a goalkeeper, and I'm sure Aaron could attest to this far better than me, my feelings are that you go to where you think the ball's going to go, but you're not a Jedi. You can't just go, bah, 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 bah. you know what I mean? It's The ball's taken a wicked deflection, and even then it's hit the crossbar. Um, 
but it's a defender's job to try and to block it. It's the goalkeeper's job to try and sort of predict where Bamford's going to put it. And Bamford didn't intend for it to go in the way it did. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I I thought still might have got a finger to it, unless I'm dreaming that. I think still even got a finger to it. So you're saying he's not a Jedi? He's, he's bloody close. We'll take close. We'll take close. Human, but close. But no, Curtis, I totally agree with you. What you mean? I mean, people are going to be critical regardless. I mean, I'm trying not to be too critical. I'm trying to keep it quite a level-headed. And I will. I'm not going to turn around and say, yeah, I still should have done better there. I will turn around and say that. You know, a bit later when we talk about the second goal, that should have been better, but not necessarily from Steele, but more on that in a minute. Um, generally speaking, I thought it was quite sloppy across the pitch, but I don't think you can look at Steele there and say, yeah, he's the reason that goal went in. I think it was just a, a bit of a catalogue of errors. Um, but as you've said in this podcast already, Curtis, you win, lose and draw as a team. We defend as a team and things didn't go right there. And we have to learn from that. Um Leeds were very much in the ascendancy in the first half, I think. They had a number of chances. Um, Dunk did a really fantastic, really composed it. I think it was Brighton were on pouring forward um, and we lost possession. Bamford had like a flick on and it was Aronson one-on-one with Dunk. Um, And we've seen in the past, Curtis, Dunk in those sort of positions, especially in his younger years, and that he goes in a bit rashly and gets a red card for it. But how professional was that from Dunk? How composed was it to avert that danger when one-on-one with a very dangerous player? Uh, I'm not surprised, to be honest. I mean, sometimes this may as well be the Dunk-obsessed podcast, let's be real. I mean, he, he, he is, again, he's just, I feel like I say it all the time, he's a consummate professional. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows where he needs to be. Again, um, he's, he's such a voice out there, you know, such a commanding voice. I'm so happy that he's he's the captain. Um I mean, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. He always gives 100%. Toby, um, there was another beautiful moment that I don't think has been talked about anywhere near enough. And that was like a, you know, Dunk's characteristic chest back to the keeper. And he was like pretty much horizontal. And he just does this lovely he little like turn that. in chest. Yeah. Um, do you think, Toby, that he'll be able to pull that off at Burnley? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, forgive me. I don't know who did the tweet, but... Uh... Someone put a tweet that said, um, how does this man only have one England cap? And beyond me, because if he were if he was French, he'd have a World Cup to his name. That's how good he is. He's a serious, serious player. I'm fed up of him not getting the credit he deserves. A lot of people go, oh, yeah, that Lewis Dunk, he's a good player. No, no, that Lewis Dunk is, is one of the top three centre-backs in the league. I'm telling you, he's ridiculously composed ridiculously classy he he's just so so good he would he would take like a duck to water at any club in the world not just Burnley although I'm sure he would improve Burnley really well so uh, we're looking forward to seeing him (laughs) no yeah so good the thing is if Neymar did that thing with the chest that's all everyone would be talking about you know what I mean If Van Dyke so, did that, everyone would be like, oh my goodness, he's the best defender in the world. He's the best in the world. But because it's Lewis Dunk, they'd be like, oh, that's just really dangerous. You know, you, you could risk you could risk something there. Why would you why would you do that? What if Bamford was behind him? Yeah, exactly. Oh, risking a foul or something there. Uh, handball potentially could have hit his arm. Now, 
we talk about Lewis Dunk and we talk about his England caps there. There's another player that I think desperately deserves an England call-up, and that's Solly March. Um, I thought he was excellent yesterday. I haven't even given him the kudos for a beautiful pass he did in the first half um, where he's he's got Purvis on the overlap. And he just the curve on this pass to get Purvis into space was just Oh, it was exquisite. I thought March was excellent yesterday. And I don't care if that goal, second goal, is being attributed to a Harrison own goal. I'm giving it to March because he was just excellent. I mean, it was a it was a lovely crossfield ball. Matoma beats his man. He gets the byline. He plays the ball into a dangerous box. And that's what they always say. Get the ball into dangerous areas because you just never know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm going to accredit, accredit it to Solly March, who gets the who scrambles the ball home. It wasn't pretty, but it, I mean, it was probably against the run of play. But we we scored again. And Curtis, I mean, we this is this season has been Solly March's, and we've highlighted it so so often. Um, but just how good has Solly March been, and how good was he against Leeds at the weekend? If you told me last season that Solly at this point would have five goals this season. I would have uh, told you to get on your bike. Wouldn't have believed you. Um, but he, he clearly has just responded so well to Deserby's tactics. And, um, you know, we've we've heard Solly in the past saying, like, you know, Deserby's put his arm around me and told me how important I am. And, uh, and I think, you know, he needed that. I think feel like he needed that that confidence, that confidence boost. Um yeah, and you know, to be honest with you, if if, if Solly wasn't on the team sheet, I'd worry a bit, <laughs> to, to to be honest, you know, because he's such a he he does a lot, he does a lot. He's become a real dynamo in that team, um, and I always feel like he's been quite underrated for us, even by our own fan base. Um, so I'm happy to see him getting his flowers. Essentially, I uh, I said it last time I was on actually, uh, and you know, I'm just gonna get in close to say it again, and that is. Where you at, Pete? Where you at? Huh, Pete? <laughs> yeah, Pete, you got to come on because I think, you know, I mean, I know we say it pretty much every week. This is a different Solly March to previous seasons. Going, what, two two seasons with only scoring one goal? And then this season, he's just been electric. And Toby, really quickly, do you think that there is a chance that Solly March gets into the England squad? Because... I, I don't, I mean, I don't watch a lot of football. I'm, you know, I'm very much a Brighton person. I don't watch a lot of football. If it's not Brighton, it doesn't particularly interest me unless it's non-league and people are kicking lumps out of each other. But um, I don't know of any England wingers that are playing anywhere near his level, apart from maybe Saka. So what do you reckon, Tobes? Is an England call-up out of the question? Um it's a tough one because you look at like Jared Bowen who had a solid March level season last season and he never really kicked on for England and he hasn't kicked on this season for West Ham. And it's, it's one of those ones where it's like, if he does get in, is it just a pity call up? I I don't think that any player for Brighton will be taken seriously by England. Um, And a lot of people will attribute that to Southgate. I don't, I think it's just, it's just the England way. It's it, I don't know. It's I, I can't I can't blame Southgate for that. I mean, he does pick the team, but it's I, I can't I can't see it personally. I can't see it. Um, 
but I totally agree with you. I can't think of a better English winger right now, um, obviously, except for Saka. You, you, you could make a case for Foden, but I feel like he's on the other side or central. You could make a case for um, Sterling, but even Chelsea have been crap this season. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it. I'd love to see it. He's been in the England setup before. I think he he would suit it well. I think when he was in the uh, England under twenty ones, I think he did quite well with them. Um, I would yeah, I would love to see it. I think he deserves it. I really do have everything crossed for Solly because I'm I'm a huge fan of him and his and I always have been. I remember him scoring an absolute screamer in a pre-season game against Norwich. And I've been like, just, I've just loved him ever since. Um, so I really, really hope he gets um, an England call up because he just deserves it. Um, so I'm just going to talk really quickly about, um, you know, when we talk about Adam Lallana, we talked about Roberto De Zerbi, about his man management skills. And I, I said, I wanted to talk about something later. And here's the moment I wanted to talk about. Um, so Evan Ferguson uh, vacated the pitch in the second half. And I think it's fair to say that Evan didn't have a particularly strong game. I think the hold-up play was a bit lacking at times. But what really impressed me was that when he came off, he must have known he hadn't had the best game, but Roberto De Zerbi gave him this big hug, this proper massive hug, Curtis. And I think you want to look at man management. You want to look at people putting an arm around young players because I think it's very easy to forget that Evan Ferguson's, what, only 18? You know, he's still a young lad and he's probably, you know, he's probably putting pressure upon himself in an already pressurised situation. Um, so just how good of a man management was that from Roberto De Zerbi? Well, I mean, De Zerbi regularly says himself, like, I speak speak to my players like I'm their father, you know, which is which is really good. But obviously he, he has that good balance of that that, that coach daddy deserve thing uh and um but it's really nice to see because you know he looked a bit disheartened when he came off as you as you would if you have haven't uh uh affected the game as much as you wanted to so um yeah so it was nice to see that but again we we as a fan base need to not pile as much pressure onto him or have these like delusions of grandeur with him because he's very he's very young and he will progress and but he'll do that in his in his own time and and yeah, we've just got to got to be patient with him. We've got to be patient I'd, with him. And I'd also like to point out he's he's already gone way further than Aaron Connolly did um, in terms of mentality towards the game. Uh, he doesn't look unsettled at all. You know, he he can be disappointed, but he doesn't look phased by being subbed off because he's had a a not so good performance. And and it will happen to every footballer in the like you know if, if they're going to have an entire career, every footballer will have a bad game. I, I promise you that. Um, and that's not speaking with experience. I, it's just speaking with having watched Brighton have Albion for so many years. I've seen a lot of stinkers, uh, even from Lewis Dunk, who you know, as you say, with Dunk obsessed. So credit to him. I, I think he's got he's got such a bright future, and I'm, I'm I really think Deserve is the man to take him forward as well. He really is. He really is. He's fantastic. And obviously, Welbeck's got that wealth of experience. And we are going to talk about Welbeck. I mean, we're not going to pile on like some people on Twitter have and they continue to do. But um, there was obviously a few more chances. March had a, a brilliant uh, shot that was turned behind by Melier. Uh, Welbeck, um, after a mazy run, got through 
um, but Melier smothered at Welbeck's feet. I was a little disappointed that Welbeck took a touch and didn't try and lob the keeper, but that's just me. But again, I'm not going to jump on him and say he's worthless and a fraud. But the the thing that really, I suppose, frustrated fra- uh, fans, I should say, um, Toby, was Welbeck did all the hard work for his, his one big chance. He's, he, he combined superbly with Matoma. He wiggles through the Leeds defence and he's one-on-one with the keeper. He's 10 yards out and he puts it wide. Um, he looked so, so frustrated. Um, and that was the big chance to make it 3-1. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and deny that he shouldn't have done better. I said in the group chat straight away, he has to score that really. What I will say, though, is he practically forged it himself, that chance. And if you're a player that is able to get these chances consistently, whether you're scoring or not, I'm a firm believer that they belong in the side because all it takes is for one day when it all starts to click again and he's going to do that amazing run and score. If he scores that goal, it's on every highlight reel for the rest of eternity. He forged it himself. That's all I care about, the, the the getting the chance, being in the right position to get the chance, doing the right things to get the shot away, just to finish, let him down, unfortunately. And that's that's something he works on every day and he'll continue to work on this week. And I'm sure he'll train doubly as hard to work on those little chips and dinks that he can do to, to beat the keeper in a situation like that. I am 100% agree with that. If he wasn't making, if he wasn't taking the, the chances, I think then we could have a conversation uh about uh about Welbeck but I, I'm I'm happy that he is actively trying I mean yes of course he should have done a bit better that's fine um but you know he he could score against Palace and, it, and it'll, everything will be all right again because some of our fan base are a little bit fickle so um but some of them just hate Welbeck as well it, it has yeah. to be said some of them just do for no reason and it doesn't matter if he scores 18 goals against Palace the rest of the season he was crap apparently so oh, it's, it's like the modder hate I constantly see and he's not even playing for us at the bloody moment <laughs> so he's, he's, he, he can get blamed for a draw against Leeds and he's yeah <laughs> yeah I reckon he's going to cook under the Zerbi, but we'll see I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it it's um it's it's funny isn't it I mean I, as I said, I, I've said already, I will critique performances. I will critique players. I'll happily sit here and say, Welbeck should have done better. Welbeck, as a player of his quality and experience, he should have got that on target. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't want him anywhere near the squad. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a fraud. I'm not going to sit here and say he's useless um, because that's just not true. Um I think that Evan Ferguson at the moment is higher than him in the pecking order. Maybe that's because of a fitness thing. Maybe that's because of Deserby just likes the way Evan Ferguson plays the game. Um, but Welbeck still has a, a wealth of things to offer. Um, and any other day, that could have easily been 3-1. It just wasn't at the weekend, which was a real shame. And I was just getting through typing a sentence in my phone because, uh, as you guys know, and some of you might know, listeners and viewers, because um, I've mentioned it on the pod before, when I watch games and I listen to games, I, I, I make notes. Um, and I just finished writing the note, will Brighton regret not capitalising on their dominance? And the answer was yes, um, because a quick corner routine caught us napping, Curtis. It was really frustrating. Now, Harrison scored from a really quick corner. Now, I think, this is what I believe, Welbeck, not Welbeck, sorry, Webster appeared to be injured. He appeared to hurt himself and he was clutching his leg. And I think 
Brighton players were expecting a substitution. The whistle went, they didn't play to the whistle and Harrison scored what I will say was an absolute perler of a goal. Um, we'll get onto the slightly controversial bit in a minute, but, um, but a frustrating goal to concede, not playing to the whistle, caught napping. What, what did you make of their second goal? Uh, I'm quite glad you mentioned about the Webster thing because um, I was watching up to that point. I was like, why hasn't he been subbed off yet? Like the commentary keep talking about how he's seemingly in pain and you could see him, he was, wasn't running as quick and he was feeling, you know, feeling his leg and stuff. So I was like, oh, at some point he will. And I thought before the corner, it was going to happen as well. And then it just, then it all just happened. I was like, oh, okay. And I agree. Peach of a goal. Really lovely, lovely, lovely goal for them. Um, well done. Um, but yeah, I was expecting the same thing too, to be honest. Yeah, I, I just don't know if that's why they stopped because it seemed really unlike us. I mean, you see when the, the corner is first taken, they're not looking at the corner at all. They're looking over to the bench. They're looking at each other because I think they're expecting Adam to come off. And part of me is also thinking, why didn't you go down, Webster? Why didn't you just hit the deck? Because then the ref would have had to have blown up. Um, really frustrating. And one of the things, Toby, that some people are saying, and Roberto De Zerbi alluded to, um, was that there was a second ball on the pitch um, during that corner. I'll, I'll, I, I'll explain my views on that in just a second. What did you make of the whole second ball on the pitch argument as to why some fans are saying that it shouldn't have stood? Out of every referee controversy that we've come on here and spoke about this season, this is by far the most tame. I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with that. But I am a firm believer of the letter of the law. And I will forever stick by that. And the law states, two balls on the pitch, play stops. Now, if you want to get into the technicals of it, you're also looking at the fact that the player has handballed the other ball, which could also be a free kick to us. Who's to say what, you know, who? Why, why do we have to decide what ball is in play? Why do we have to decide what ball is being played with? That's the reason the rule is in place. Now, do I blame the referee for the goal? No. As you say, we were caught napping. I think an element of it, I think Solly March did see that the two balls were on the pitch and sort of held back, um, which gave Harrison that extra room. <sighs> I'm I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Big Six. I think I joked about it in the chat at the time, but I'm not going to say, oh, Big Six bias. You know, they don't want us. They don't want us in there. I'm not going to say that. I don't. I don't think it's that bad. I think you know, if that happened to Brighton, I'd be like, I'd say to the other fans, I'll oh, get over it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get over it and just say, you know, we got caught napping. Uh, but it is disappointing that the letter of the law is not being followed once again. Um, and I don't think it should be a discretionary matter. I think it should be fact is fact. Yeah, I, I'm very much of the same opinion because I, at the time I was thinking, well, because my, my first instinct was, well, the, the corner had already been taken. Then the second ball comes on, he chucks it off. So it, it shouldn't matter because the corner was already taken. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, but the law states that that can't be done because there's that fantastic video. If you haven't seen it, of, I think it's in the Bundesliga, um, a goalkeeper coming to intercept a winger. The goalkeeper takes the ball out of play. He waves to the, the, the ball boy to throw him another ball and he chucks the ball on the pitch. 
to prevent the opposition player from taking a quick throw while the goalkeeper's out of the goal. It's fantastic. It's so clever. Um, so I watched that and I thought, well, two balls are on the pitch. Surely the whistle has to go. But then I was even more baffled that VAR didn't review it and say, hang on, we can't have that. Um but at the same time, it wasn't the reason we conceded. So that's why I don't feel like really aggrieved about it, if that makes sense. I don't feel robbed. Um, yeah. I just feel like another team would have had that luck and would have got three points on a day that they weren't at their best. But it, it happens and, and, and I, yeah, I don't feel robbed. How, about, how do you feel about it, Curtis? Because, I mean, I know I've already got your view on the goal, but in terms of the, the two balls on the, on the field, um, is it a big deal for you or is it a case of... As I say, the, the corner had already been taken. Leeds were catching a snapping and, you know, it just it, it is what it is. I mean, uh, I want to echo a lot of what Toby was saying, to, to, to be honest. I, I don't, uh, I'm not sitting here quite annoyed about it now. I mean, at the time I might have been like, oh, two, two, but I'm not going to do anything about that. Okay. Um, and, you know, you could see the players crowding the ref and they were like, it was two balls. It was two balls, and you know nothing happened. And I, I got over it pretty quickly after that. To be honest, I mean, it, it, it's just something that happened. Uh, again, I'm not even surprised anymore uh, with some of this, some of this refereeing. Uh, seems like a usual thing. Um, but yeah, it happened. Uh, but ultimately, we should have done a lot better with the corner in the first place. So that's just my opinion. Fully agree. And I think, as I say, if some of those chances had gone in earlier in the game, then it wouldn't have been an issue because we would have still been leading the game. But it, the game ended at 2-2. And obviously, I, I've already sort of been really clear that I saw it as a bit of a disappointing uh, draw, which is, I think, Toby says more about the high standards that we are now setting as a team and that is coming from the very top of our club. Um, because, not as you know, you rightfully say a point, on the road at Ellen Road is not something that can be sniffed at. Um, but here I am going, we should have done better. Um, but do you think that's, as I say, is that a sign of a mentality shift um, in the squad? Yeah, it's, it's a pleasant it's a pleasant issue to have, if that makes sense. It's a pleasant issue to be disappointed with a draw. I mean, I can think back to when we played against Liverpool and lost the lead against them and, and we were disappointed with a point there. And I, I see it no differently to that, is that, you know, you're winning, it's always going to sting a little bit more. But if you think about it this way, if we were losing 2-1 and drew 2-2, we'd all be chuffed, I think. And... Uh, you know, it's not about the order that the goals go in. It's just about how it finishes. And and I see it, I personally, I see it as a point, a point gained. I think there are going to be times where you can't pick up every point away from home. But I think if you get, you know, if you get three at home, like you try and get as many three points at home as you can, and every other game, the three point away, you're sort of looking at, that sort of European form almost, um, at least the outer edges of Europe. Top four, I think you want to expect a little bit more, but I think we're at that point where you sort of have to be critical of these draws, which is why I don't begrudge anyone, especially yourself, Tom, that if you're throwing it away from a losing, uh, from a winning position, it, it's hard to overlook. I think that's the only thing that like that game got to me. I don't want to look back in the summer and think, yeah, that Leeds game, that Palace game, that Fulham game. If we had won those, we would have got to Europe. I don't want these sorts of games where we've, for the large parts of the game, been the better team. I don't want these to be the reason we haven't got into Europe. And I know that's a really silly way of looking at it because the season isn't just three games. It's a whole expanse 
of games that you could argue should have won, you should have lost, and you know results go differently. Um, but I'd be really frustrated if we didn't get to Europe and it was two points that were the difference um, sort of thing. But Curtis, does the singular point look, start looking a lot better if we can pick up three on Wednesday? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I feel like I've said this a couple of times on these pods, but uh, Wednesday's game has a chance of being a really, really big game for us. You know, I, I, it could be one of those benchmark games of the season, you know, uh, and I'm going to try not to put too much pressure on the on it um, because, as I say, I'm going and I want to want to enjoy it. Uh, so I'm confident going into it because that's what I do. I try and be confident. Uh, yeah, but definitely if we can win that game, uh, it won't look so bad. Uh, definitely. Right, just before we talk about the Palace game then, gents, let's uh, get your man of the matches for the Leeds game. Toby, I'll come to you first, my friend. Uh, which player stood out for you as perhaps one of the better? It, it's, it really is a tough one because every every player, put in, I feel like we say this every time, so cliche, every player really put in a shift and um, I don't want to be hated for not picking your favourite player, but um, for me, I think that there was uh, Gross was a really professional performance. I think he he just made it. The fact we've like we've we've touched on him and hardly spoken about him, it, he just made everything tick without really, you know, without really making a fuss, and and he just went about his business really well. And I think sometimes you need a game like that. You need a player like that in a game like that. And I think he turned up for us when we needed him. Um, otherwise, I think that could have gone even worse for us. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go gross. How about you, Curtis? Um, Matoma, I think. I thought he had a pretty solid sort of uh, understated game. He was where he needed to be. He was really good and that assist for the goal and everything um yeah probably probably Matoma I think I thought you thought he was thought he was quite good decent 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 um oh, I'm really torn because I, I too think Gross had a really fantastic game uh as you say Toby he was really professional really fantastic but one player that caught my eye and is continuing to catch my eye is Solly March um I think yeah you, you some people might be really harsh and say that he should have played to the whistle for their second goal um, but he was just, he's been electric recently and, you know, forcing the own goal or scoring the own goal, whatever, you know, wherever you want to look at that. I'd say that pass he played into Purvis was just exquisite. He created a lot of chances. So I'm t- I'm going to give it to Solly um, with a, a respectful nod to Pascal um, because I, I thought Solly, in the last two games, Solly has been fantastic. So I find that much. most of the time when it comes to gross, though, it's just like, you just know he's just going to have a good performance all the time. So, like, yep. he, he's just always putting in, like, man-of-the-match performances all the time. So He really is. Pascal is fantastic, and I'm so, 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 so glad he signed that contract extension. And you know what, guys? I've I've moved on. I think he's actually he even plays really well at right-back now. I've changed my <laughs> you know, like That's a shocker. I know, right? I've, I would sometimes... I've Clip like, it, oh, Joe. Pascal. Clip it. Oh, no. uh, Full-screen apology. Um, but not a wing back, not at wing back. Um, but anyway, we move. So um, let's talk about Wednesday's game. We've already sort of briefly alluded to it. Um, 
Crystal Palace haven't had a shot on target for three games, which is like the worst record since the records began in 2003. So you know what that means. Don't do it, Tom. Don't I'm, do it. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to back it to make it four games without a shot on target. Uh, and yet they're still going to beat us 1-0. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, you know what? I, was, I thought I was going to be the one to say it. Still, somehow not going to have a shot on target, but still going to win. <laughs> No, I, I, if I, if I can be, if I, I, I hate putting a hoodoo on it. I, I don't want to do this to you, Curtis. Um, I, I, I just can't see beyond the Brighton win. We deserved it at Selhurst. I think it's only going to be um, even more uh, invigorating for the players to get revenge on them, get revenge for their performance against Leeds. Um, I think it's going to be the most fired up we're going to see them. Uh, um, until the absolute business end when there's still a chance of Europe. Um, I want to, I want to, my heart says go for a record win, but I, I, I think it's going to be just like a, a scrappy 2 1, get it over the line and just be proud of it. Um, and, and I think it'll be a, a doggy, dogged game thing. Every both players will just be running themselves into the mud. Um, and I think we'll come out on top. It's funny. I always find that the games against Palace form goes out the window. Um, I mean, the 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 money, the the smart money for me is on a one-one draw because that just seems to be Brighton with eighty-seven shots and one goal, Crystal Palace with one shot, one goal. Um, that just seems to be how our games go at the moment. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, you'd like to think that we could put one over on them, a bit of revenge, a bit of a, a new marker set. I mean, Joe mentioned it in a previous podcast about, you know, reactions. Um, we tend to have, if we have a not so great game, we tend to get a reaction. Obviously our last home game, 4-0 against West Ham was brilliant. So let's hope we get a game like that. I mean, Curtis, you're going to go and see the Palace. You're going to get to hear that one song that they've got over and over and over again. Um, they might even bring their famous drum. Um, are you looking forward to it? I am. Yeah, I am. And I'm not going to be negative Nancy like you two have been this, for this pod. Uh, I'm I'm somewhat confident. As I say, I, I always feel like I have to be because it's what I do. Uh, no, but I, I'm, I feel like we're going to want to, uh, we're going to want to come here and we're going to want to prove a point, um, especially after the manner that, uh, after the last Palace game. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not going to do a Joe and say 5-0 like he did in the last pod. Um, but uh, I'm confident. I'm confident. He's not putting a score to the confidence, though. Yeah. Come on, Curtis. <laughs> score prediction. 3-1. 3-1, that is confidence. I'm going to go with, as I say, I mean, 1-1 one, one is the bookie, you know, normally where I'd go for this game. But I'm going to go with a 2-0. With to the to Brighton, obviously, um, because I do think we've got enough in the tank. I'd like to see another game where they don't have a shot on target because that would be wonderful. Um, but as I say, form tends to go out the window in these types of games, so we'll just have to wait and see. Also, put your life saving well, actually, not financial advice, but put your life saving on Palace to get a penalty at some point, probably as well, because that seems to happen a lot. <laughs> Yeah, they'll uh, someone will fall over pretending that they've you know been stabbed or something, and uh, they'll get a soft penalty because it's what they do. It's how they got to the Premier League in the first place. Um, 
But anyway, less about that and more about you, the viewers and the listeners. Let us know in the comments section down below. What were your thoughts on the Leeds game? Do you think Brighton are being a bit guilty of walking it in? How do you think Alexis McAllister has been after the World Cup? Lots of people have been talking about him not being in the best form. So let us know what you think about that. And of course, let us know your score predictions against them lot from up the road um we have been albion obsessed thank you for joining in and thank you for toby and curtis for spending their monday evenings with me remember guys love is love and always 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 be really nice to one another unless um i was about to say unless you're a palace fan but no even be nice to them even be nice to and them. remember everyone to keep it real keep it real wherever enjoy you may the, be enjoy the tofu enjoy your tofu you woke woke bunch um but yeah wherever you may be whenever you may be we'll see you next time take care